The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, Matt Strapp here welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Before we begin, a quick reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the show if you could take a moment to do that. That's a big help. Meanwhile, 2019 is upon us. Today on the show, we are going to be looking back at 10 of the biggest and maybe most surprising fantasy standouts from December and what is next for those players. Now, obviously, Anthony Davis was first overall in nine category leagues for December. We're not going to be talking about him. We're going to be talking about some names we maybe didn't expect to see dominating in December. Joining me to do so today, the law firm of Knaus and Beer, Tommy and Ryan. <laughs> Fellas, ready to get this underway? <laughs> yes, sir. Let's go. All right. First up, Miles Turner, dude who we had big expectations for, but disappointed us for much of the early part of the season. Started to look like a dominant force in December, number 12 overall for the month. Tommy, do you think we're going to look back and say December was the start of big things for Turner or maybe a bit of an outlier? Uh, I'm optimistic that this can be kind of the uh, he can build on that momentum going forward obviously the the one thing we have to address is the fact that he broke his nose in Monday's game against the Hawks um we're still kind of waiting for uh, exact updated details um but do you need a nose do you need a nose to play basketball not really you know slap a mask on there and rub some dirt (laughs) on it it should be good you know um but uh yeah but but all kidding aside you know it's it sounds like the nose won't be the issue you know he's, he's he will play with a mask on however he did um miss time with the concussion um it's kind of uh something he's he's dealt with uh, in the past in his career so hopefully um there's no brain injury involved um that should certainly if he uh, is able to avoid any setback there he said he was dealing with a little bit of a headache after Monday's game um, if he can avoid any time on the injury list, I don't expect that to uh, impede his progress going forward. And um, as you mentioned, number 12 overall in December, put up monster numbers, kind of the numbers that we were hoping for, even better than we were hoping for coming to the season. Uh, consistent rebounding numbers, solid field goal percentage, knocking down some threes, and just a demon blocking shots. So um, assuming he's healthy, which is a big if at this point, I'm optimistic. I, I don't think he'll, he'll be able to reach the top 12 status, but, you know, top 25, top 30 somewhere in that neighborhood yeah i i agree completely with the uh, top 12 is too lofty but this is what miles turner is this is what he's capable of this is why you drafted him um he's blocking 9.2 percent of opponents shots while he's on the court this season that's easily a career high all of his averages in december basically would smash his previous career highs and what's what's scary is he's shooting free throws at 70.4 percent this season which should rise. I mean, he's hit 80% before in his career. So I'm thinking that'll go up, giving him even more upside. Um, and his usage rate has actually increased. He's While uh, Victor Oladipo was out, he was at 20.2%. That's when he kind of found his groove, started started you know hitting his stride. And he's 22.1% usage with Oladipo back. So I love to see that. The, the Pacers are obviously featuring him and yeah, I don't think I'm with Tommy. I don't think the uh, injury is really going to hurt him. He said that 
he said that this felt different than when he had a concussion in the past. He didn't seem too concerned, so uh, we'll know soon enough. Huge headline for me with Turner. Close to nine and a half boards in 15 games in December. This this guy was closer to six for a lot of the season, and that was a big yeah. source of the frustration. So he looks to have maybe figured out that issue, fixed the glitch, if you will. So that's that's a big deal. Next on our list, Devin Booker was 15th overall in nine category leagues in December. And I should be clear, all the play, all those, these rankings we're talking about are nine category leagues. Some people are worried about a shutdown risk with Booker. I don't know where you guys land, but Ryan, we'll start with you. Are you worried about Booker uh, being a shutdown candidate? Can, do you think he can sustain this kind of production? What's your outlook on Booker? Uh, I mean... Yeah, so those are two separate questions. Can he sustain this production? Absolutely. The guy is a beast. Um, Prior to Monday's game against the Warriors, he had 25-plus points, 8-plus assists in six straight games. The only other players to do that, uh, according to basketball reference, are D. Wade, LeBron, MJ, Westbrook, and Harden. So that's the company this guy's in. He's he's for real. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> he he did sit out the final twelve games last season. He didn't play after March seventeen. I think it was a, a hand issue, something like that. It does help, and something that we should talk about more often, I think, is the way that the draft lottery has been changed. So there's no real incentive to be the absolute worst team in the league. Mm -hmm. The bottom three teams all have 14% odds of getting the top pick. So that's huge. Uh, Phoenix is neck and neck with the Cavs for the worst record, but they're not vying with each other. You know what I mean? They're So yeah, I'm I'm not super worried about a shutdown. I mean, like if you could trade Booker straight up for Paul George or another clear first round player, I would do that just to get out from any potential risk. But otherwise I'm not, you know, I'm not panicking. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page as Ryan here. The shutdown issue is is a cause for concern to to a certain extent, but he was dealing with a legitimate injury last year. It wasn't like he was, you know, DMP rested every other night. You know, there there was at least on the surface a, a hand injury that he was that he was dealing with. And um, I think the most important point is the the, the reformatted lottery system. Um, as you mentioned, that the bottom three teams and it, it seems like kind of the the Cavs, the Bulls, and the Knicks might be on a little tier by themselves in terms of worst teams this season. Um, so assuming there's not, uh, and even if they slip to fourth or somewhere in those, you know, the odds for the number one pick don't decrease dramatically. I think it goes from fourteen percent to eleven point five or twelve yeah. percent, some yep. of the, some of that neck, that neck of the woods. So again, um, the, the there is no race to the bottom, so to speak. As long as you're kind of in that grouping with the worst teams, um, you should be fine in terms of lottery balls. And um, yeah, I, I think as long as the Suns don't address their point guard problem, it doesn't sound like they're going to trade for any um, dramatic upgraded point guard in between now and the February deadline. You know, you have to like uh, Booker's production on a, on a per game basis, um, as Ryan pointed out, has, has been elite. Um, so yeah, would I trade him for another top twenty player? I would, um, but I certainly wouldn't be nervous about holding on to him uh, late into the season. The other thing about the Suns this year, guys, and I'd say the same thing about the Hawks, is these are bad teams that aren't necessarily trying to win a lot of games, but these are not fantasy wastelands for bad teams. They're a, these are these are offenses that are starting to look pretty good. And uh, yeah. a lot of good things happening in these rotations, fantasy wise. One other quick thing on those on those teams as well: they have first year head coaches, so you know those guys are kind of anxious to get some wins under their belt. You know, maybe as opposed to um, you know some other coaches that might have you know tenure and don't have to worry about you know such things. You know, these guys want to get some wins while they can. All right, uh, next on our list, Lamarcus Aldridge got off to a slow start. He was number sixteen overall in December 
obviously Aldridge has been sort of a top 20 stalwart all these years getting up there in terms of basketball years Tommy do you think the slow start is going to be a distant memory and we'll see Aldridge back to his old ways the rest of the way uh, I'll say I'm kind of in between on on Aldridge. If, if you look at his production, he was decent in October, around 20 points and nine boards, three assists. Kind of slumped pretty significantly in November. It was around 16.5 points. Um, his rebounds were good, but his uh, you know field goal percentage dipped to around 42. percent The the big difference in December has been kind of an unsustainable field goal percentage. He's shooting nearly 59 percent from the floor, 40 mm-hmm. percent from three, and 80 uh, 85 percent from the line. It's not uh, you know too uh, outrageous for him. He's a, he's a good free throw shooter. But I guess in directly answer your question, I don't believe he'll be able to sustain that uh, ridiculously high field goal percentage. I think that'll come back down to earth. And I think he'll probably settle in around, you know, the, the 40s, 50s, 60s overall um, over the second half of the season. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. The field goal percentage has been ridiculous. I do think he's got a little bit more upside. He's only averaging 6.9 rebounds in December. I think that can go up. Uh, 2.0 assists, that can go up. You know, defensive stats are reasonable at 1.1 blocks, 0.8 steals. So, yeah, I, I think he's a top 20 player. I think the field goal percentage might come down, but he can compensate with other statistics is what I'm saying. And um, it's interesting to note, Greg Popovich, known hater of the three-point shot, <laughs> he, always, he, he always jokes about, you know, if there's a three, why not a five? Why not a seven? Fans would love it. Um, but uh, the, the, the Spurs have DeMar DeRozan leading the NBA in mid-range attempts. LaMarcus Aldridge is fourth. So they have two of the top four players in, in mid-range attempts. So that's that's kind of their bread and butter. Aldridge, you know, we, we've seen him hit some threes. There's always been that tantalizing. Maybe he'll add that to his game, but he's averaging 0.1 per game. So unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Pop is right. I think it's a passing fad, this three-point shot. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's going to catch on. I, yeah, the, the fans, fans don't seem no, to like it. Steph Curry's boring. The fans don't like it. Yeah, you know, Nobody it, likes you know. to see players jack up threes. It's not yeah. fun. So I think that's going to be out of the league pretty soon. So Get some hotter takes. Man. <laughs> that's, that's, ob- that's too obvious. Mike Conley, 17th overall in the month of December, has only missed one game so far. Ryan, any concerns for you about a 31-year-old with some well-documented durability issues? Yes, and I I think because Memphis is currently, I believe, two games out of the playoff picture in the West. They're 18 and 18. If they drop too far, absolutely, that's, that's a big concern. You know, shouldn't be an issue until we get close to April, but... In many leagues, those are the critical, and this is part of why head-to-head leagues are so brutal, because you, you don't know. Like, a guy like Conley could end up being rested late, and you, you're you're cooked in your fantasy uh, playoffs. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit worried, but it, it's more, I mean, he keeps popping up on the Grizzlies injury report with this hamstring injury. They refuse to take him off it, so it's more frustrating, I think to constantly have the unknown oh he's he's questionable but he plays he's questionable he's probable but he plays so it's more more just annoying i think than a a long-term legitimate concern I'm I'm confident Connolly kind of staying where he is. Obviously, the injuries are a concern as they as they are with old players. A little bit more so for Connolly due to the age, but you know he is only 31. Granted, he's playing more than 34 minutes for the first time since 2012, 2013. But as far as the, him resting down the stretch, I don't view that as a major issue. Uh, primarily because of the fact that the Grizzlies don't own their first round pick. It's going to go to the Celtics, and they're a oh, team. Good point. You know, and and they're a team. They're a prideful team with a bunch of veterans. 
uh, Gasol, obviously, and, you know, Gasol is going to be a free agent. And, you know, they're kind of built for the now. Obviously, you know, Jaron Jack- Jackson Jr. could get some more minutes down the stretch. But the Grizz are a team that I think are going to compete. And um, they've obviously hit a rough patch. They were, um, you know, I think, they're, I think they're only 5-13 and 13 over the last 18 games to sink all the way down to 500. But, you know, they, as long as they kind of stay around that 500 mark or are within striking distance of the 8th seed, um, you know, heading into the last month of the season, I think they'll make a strong push for it. And also, you know, as far as Connolly's concerned, he's shooting below his uh, career numbers in, in terms of field goal percentage. He's shooting just 42%. He's a 44% shooter. Uh, shooting 34% from three, he's a 37% shooter. So I think there is a little bit of room for improvement in terms of his percentages, and the rest of his numbers are somewhat in line with his, his recent uh, averages. So I'm hopeful and optimistic that Connolly can kind of stay the course going forward. Yeah. It helps that they don't have a young, they don't have any depth really at point guard, and they yep. absolutely don't have someone they're developing behind him, so there's no real incentive to, to limit him late. Yep. More on Conley to come later. I'll ask you guys a couple hypotheticals of who you'd rather have Conley versus a couple other players we're going to talk about today. But right now, though, Bradley Beal, number 18 for the month of December, now has just free reign in this Washington offense, basically running a show with John Wall done for the season. Tommy, how high, if, if you're starting a 18-ish as the baseline for Bradley Beal. How much higher than that do you think he can surge the rest of the way without John Wall in the picture? Yeah, I mean, I think he's got, you know, I I don't want to push him too, too high, but I think certainly top 15 is a a realistic goal there. He's going to put up some monster, you know, James Harden-esque usage rates, as we've seen with Harden without Chris Paul, um, just kind of dominating the ball. And I, I, well, Beal won't approach those numbers because he's not a point guard by trade. There's certainly, um, you know, he could certainly be looking at uh, career highs in terms of attempts, three-point attempts, etc. You know, uh, although the Wizards should stick around the the eighth seed and you know playoff competition I think we at least have to mention the fact that there's a chance that they kind of tank and nosedive um, without Wall um, you know Otto Porter's coming back but you know should he get dinged up there's some little bit of concern there that they would want to rest Beal down the stretch if they're you know 10 or 15 games out heading into you know the final month of season but I, I think as mediocre as the Eastern Conference is we could certainly see a team um, under 500 if not you know 37 38 wins sneak into the playoffs. So I don't think the Wizards will be that bad that quickly going forward. Yeah, I think, uh, Tommy, I think you said top 15 is realistic. I completely agree. Um, You also mentioned his usage. I'll piggyback on that. He's actually at 31.1%. Uh, in his nearly 400 minutes without John Wall this season, which if that were season long, it would be eighth in the league behind only Harden, Giannis, LeBron, Durant, Embiid, Levine, and Lou Williams. Um, Sweet so Lou. yeah, be. Yeah, so Beal's just, he's going to have elite usage. And what's even more is in those minutes, his points per possession are virtually identical to what he did with Wall, as is his true shooting. So the efficiency isn't really dropping off despite the increased workload. You love to see that. Uh, I think, yeah, top 20, easy. 26.5 points in 15 games in December for Beal. Meanwhile, guys, if you are looking for some more fantasy hoops in your life, take a trip over to Draft.com. We are talking about daily fantasy basketball snake drafts instead of salary caps. takes just a few minutes to finish a draft. You can even do auction drafts. Right now, Draft is giving Roto World readers a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. Go to Draft.com. Use the promo code RW. Again, head to Draft.com. Use the promo code RW. Okay, five more players to hit here. Actually, maybe six. But we'll call it five for now. Uh, the biggest <laughs> surprise for me when I was going through the December 
nine category rankings. I found one Larry Nance at 19 overall. Ryan, to me, there are some obvious impediments to Nance continuing to do this uh, the rest of the way. Do you think we've absolutely hit a high water mark with Nance? Sure. I mean, top, what would you say, 19? 19th overall in December, yeah. Yeah, obviously. Tristan Thompson's coming back. You know, Kevin Love will, is due back at some point. They're both going to hurt Nance, but I, I don't like you bringing him up for selfish reasons because I kept <laughs> touting him as a pickup. He was on the waiver wire in many leagues for a while. I thought that was ridiculous. Uh, undervalued, permanent stud. But I don't own him in a single league, Matt. Which oh, it hurts! It hurts. Just disturbs me. I'm like, how did I, how did I miss the boat? But anyway, uh, he he's a fantastic fantasy player. I think he's not going to keep hitting top twenty, but he's a top fifty guy, easy. And uh, I don't think he'll fall below top seventy five at any point in the next five years. Oh wow, Tommy. Yeah, I, I'm actually a big Nance believer as well. He's one of those guys that will continue to float under the radar. You know, with two steals, one block per game guy, you know, it, heaven forbid he starts making threes, that'll really send his, his value into the stratosphere. He could kind of become what we hoped Jonathan Isaac might. Um, but Nance is a, a great rebounder, solid scorer, shooting 57% from the floor um, over his last uh, two weeks or so. Um, there's just a ton to like there. Um, I don't know if I'm going to hot take it and go with the next five years. <laughs> that blew me away. I thought Ryan was going to say a couple <laughs> but, uh, months. But no, I think there's every reason to believe that he's kind of one of the, the, the foundational pieces. And I'm a little bit less worried about the return of Tristan Thompson and the eventual return of Kevin Love. Um, I think there's a decent chance Thompson gets moved to the deadline. I think there's a decent chance that Love gets sat uh, multiple games, you know, if not shut down down the stretch. Um, so I think he could... You know, certainly be a top 30 guy in the last month of the season. But I think, yeah, I think top 75 is a very reasonable floor um, and, and with, with that, that top 50 potential. So it sounds like we all agree Larry Nance locked into the top 50 for the next two decades. <laughs> yes. Put yes. it on the board. <laughs> and, and locked into his contract through 2023 with Cleveland. So. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next up, De'Aaron Fox. He was 20th overall in nine category leagues for the month of December. I'm a big fan of this guy's game. A lot of fun to watch. However, 20 is is a big surge for him. Tommy, for a young player, do you think this is the start of something or just a bit of a blip for this season? You know, piggybacking on, on Ryan's comments about Nance, I was a huge Fox supporter heading into the 2017 draft. I thought they should have, you know, he thought he should have been drafted ahead of ball. I thought he was going to have a huge fantasy year. And of course, he was uh, largely disappointing for much of the season. Um, as a result, heading into this year, I was very gun shy. You know, they signed, they were bringing back, you know, Mason as well. And they, and they signed um, Yogi Ferrell. So I was just, you know, they obviously have bogey and, and healed, so there's a little bit of competition in the backcourt. So I was a little bit hesitant. I didn't draft him in any of my leagues and have been ruining the day ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as going forward, I, I think, you know, he's due for a little bit of a regression to the mean. Um, you know, he's shooting 40, you know, 47% from the floor this season. He was at 41 last year. He's shooting over 39% from three. Uh, he was a 30% shooter last season. So I think those numbers will probably come back down to earth a little bit, though. I keep saying that and we're you know nearly halfway through the season and he, and he continues to exceed expectations I think the points and the assists and the rebounds will remain solid so, so across the board I think again I think there's a probably a little bit of regression to the mean um, but I certainly think top 50 is a reasonable expectation going forward yeah I absolutely think top 50 you know you say regression to the mean but the only other reference point is his rookie season right and- 
and he's showing tremendous growth. I think he's 21 years old. I, I watch him play. It seems every night like he's he's a matchup problem. Absolutely. Teams yeah, teams have to figure out what to what to do with Jaron Fox. It's it's really interesting. He's almost he's shooting above thirty nine percent from deep, as you said, forty seven percent from the field, uh, almost eight dimes, four boards, one point seven steals. He's all over the place, and I can't help in my mind contrast him with Dennis Smith Jr. I feel like both guys, you know, high expectations. Both struggled with efficiency as rookies, but Fox has taken a massive leap this year, while DSJ has kind of fallen back so um yeah I, I love fox i own him in a couple leagues including a key money league and i'm couldn't be happier yeah one one thing with fox is that i just kind of speaking to his his regression to the mean he was a poor yeah. three-point shooter in kentucky shot below 25 percent from three so it was kind of one of the knocks on him going into um the draft was you know his, his upside but um yeah if he can shoot anywhere above you know even above league average because he's just quick yeah, as a hiccup right. i mean you cannot stay in front of this guy as you mentioned one of the, the league pass alert you know must watch guys um so <laughs> quick quick as a hiccup Hello, <laughs> that's awesome i know <laughs> um, so yeah so I, I like fox going forward definitely as well also by the way people seem to still just have trouble with like lefties in general yep. you know what i mean it, it's a, yeah it's confusing yeah, totally. to people there are so many righties in the league you, th- you throw a lefty out there especially one that quick it's it is a problem uh, i'll ask you guys this i we, we talked about conley earlier who was 17th overall for december fox 20th overall is it clear cut for you guys you'd rather have fox going forward or not so much uh, I probably, I guess, I'd lean towards Fox just because of the injury history and that we know that he's not shutting down no matter what happens in Sacramento. So it's really close. I think Connolly has the higher floor, but I'd probably lean towards Fox maybe because a little bit of a higher upside and less of a shutdown candidate. I I second everything Tommy said. <laughs> yeah, I'm on board. I'm I'm a Fox. I uh, check the the Fox uh, box as well. I'm sorry. I did. I just stumbled <laughs> into that. I apologize, everyone. Number eight on our list of December standouts, DeAndre Ayton. He was 21st overall, absolutely starting to dominate after hitting a brief uh, portion of the rookie wall there. I mean, he had 25 and 10 on New Year's Eve, and it was just kind of ho-hum. So I ask you guys, is top 25 a realistic expectation for Ayton going forward? Top 25 is, I think, too much to ask. I love him. He's finally, you know, the the Suns are feeding him as they should have all all along. He tended to disappear offensively for the first month of the season. They're really force-feeding him the ball as they should. He's, you know, their most efficient scorer. I think the lottery odds system that we already talked about really benefits him. It limits the shutdown risk. But I I don't know. You you actually asked me, I think, on a recent podcast. I did. yeah, if if Aiton had top twenty five in him, and turns out he did, um, but yeah, I believe I said that I didn't see it because of defensive stats. But in the past month, he's averaging one point seven steals and one point two blocks, or in the past couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, obviously he has it in him, but I'm a little bit worried about the late season fatigue, as I am with any rookie. You know, the the Suns' record and just general unknown with rookies so i'm i would peg him as a top 50 guy but not 25 yeah i'd probably land somewhere there as well um there has shown some positive progression in terms of the defensive stats he was kind of at a half a block and a half a steal uh, over his first 10 games or so and you know that kind of jumped up the 0.7 and now it's you know right around one per game over the last month 
for both of those categories. So if he can keep those, that those are kind of his, you know, because I think we both, uh, I think we all agree that, you know, 20 and 10 every night is, you know, is, is going to become commonplace for this kid. He's just a, a handful defensively. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't made a three-pointer this season. That was something that they talked about that he might try to stretch his range. Um, you know, probably have to wait until next season to, to, to see that uh, become an option. But yeah, if he can average, you know, close to or a little bit less than a steal and a block, um, I think he can kind of make, certainly maintain some momentum. But I wouldn't bet on him being, you know, top 25 going forward. I'm going to put it out there. I think he can stay closer to top 30 than top 50. So we shall see. We'll check back in on this in uh, in two to four weeks and see where we're at. Uh, a few more names to hit. One of the season's biggest surprises to many of us, Danilo Gallinari, 25th overall for the month of December. Not a big surprise based on what he's done all year because he's really been in that territory for a while. Uh, really, I just want to get your take on Gallinari and what you do with him, given the obvious injury risk. Tommy, are you, if you have Gallinari, are you shopping him for someone in the top 25 aggressively? Are you hanging on to him knowing that, you know, it's hard to trade a guy who everyone knows is this injury prone? What's your approach? Yeah, I think you nailed it. If somebody was willing to give me a top 25 play in return, I would, I would think I would pull the trigger on, on pretty much most of them, if not all of them. Um, but the issue is I highly doubt somebody's willing to, you know, return that type of value for a player that has this injury history. I was high on Gallo coming into the season. Um, I understand there was skepticism. You know, he missed, uh, you know, he played less than 200 games over the previous five seasons. I think it was, you know, 196 six out of over 400, something along those lines. But, you know, you look at his numbers, his talent was never questioned, and they have a limited depth at, at small forward in, in Clipper land. So it was just kind of an ideal situation, and he's kind of exceeded even the most optimistic of expectations, averaging career highs in points, uh, rebounds, field goal percentage, three-point percentage. I'm actually writing a little bit about him on a piece that will be posted on Wednesday. Um, he's, uh, per basketball reference, he's on pace to become just the fifth player in league history to average over 19 points, six rebounds, while also shooting over 40% from three point territory. Other four players are Mello, Paul Pierce, Durant, and Peja Stojakovic. Um, if Peja, shout out. Yes. If he can, if he can maintain his current percentage, he'll be the first player ever to average 19.6 and shoot over 45% from three. Um, so that's kind of the speaking to his efficiency. Could there be a little bit of regression to the mean? Um, yes. I, I think, you know, closer to top 40, 50 is probably more realistic than top 25, but I'm by no means, you know, willing to get rid of him, you know, see if I can, you know, return some value because he's going to get hurt. You roll the dice this far. Um, he's come up, um, you know, coming up aces so far. So um, I'm perfectly content to hold on to him and see how he performs the rest of the year. Yeah, if that didn't make it clear, you should be reading Tommy's notable numbers every, <laughs> every, every Wednesday. That's good stuff. I didn't realize Gallo was hitting all those career highs. And yeah, that's fantastic. Um, but t- to your earlier point, it's the injury risk. I mean, it's so obvious. Everyone, I, I think right now is peak trade value because the injury stigma is you know it's always going to be there but I think it's faded a bit because he's been so good so consistent you know Tommy just mentioned all those historic numbers but this is a guy who's played more than 63 games once in the past seven seasons he's been above 71 games once in his whole career so injuries are too too obvious of a risk I'm getting I'm getting away from him I wouldn't trade him for nobody you know what I mean but if I can get a top 60 player uh yeah I'm, I'm ditching Gallo okay so yeah Ryan a little more aggressively trying to get rid of Gallo it sounds like the me and Tommy I'm I'm would stay on board 
Uh, unless I, you know, maybe you, you'll, a top... you'll regret it. <laughs> he's no, due. He's I'll... due to play more than five games in a row. That, that's what that's I, I didn't say I'll stay on board no matter what. I said I, I probably, I think I'd cash out at 40, 50, 40 ish. Buddy Heald was fortieth in December overall. I would probably trade Gallinari for Heald. I think in in a in a quick as a hiccup, I'd say I would do that. <laughs> uh, all right, Marcus Morris was twenty eighth overall in December. This one surprised me almost as much as Nance. I know Morris has been playing well, but 28 is a lofty number. Ryan, has Morris built up any trade value, or is this more of a case of like, all right, you picked up this guy, well done, just see how long it lasts? Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. I, if someone offered me, for instance, like Rudy Gay, I might accept. But he's been above guys like DeMontis Sabonis, Pascal Siakam, Julius Randle, Yusuf Nurkic, all these guys, he's been above for the past month. None of them you're going to get in a trade. Right. So, yeah, it's it's a tough situation. I, I think he's a player you just hold, and you hope that he keeps hitting value because his actual value right now doesn't match up to his perceived trade value. You know, if anything, I think he's a guy that continues to float on the radar. I would assume, obviously, the great fans and knowledgeable geniuses that listen to this podcast are, are aware of it. <laughs> Um, but I would I would argue that the that the average fan would assume he's probably outside the top 125, let alone the, the inside the top 25 or around 100, something along those lines. So he's actually a guy I might target, sure. you know, kind of as a hey, w- it, all right, I'll do this deal if you throw in Marcus Morris as well. Sure. You know? Yeah, that's a good yeah, savvy like that that, that savvy. type of situation because I think his yeah. his value is is probably even though he's ex- certainly obviously playing very well, I don't think even his owner might not be aware of uh, or cognizant of just how valuable he is. So he's a guy I might try to target and see if I could sneak in a deal. Yeah, I like that. The reverse way of looking at it. Try to acquire Morris in a trade. That's that's a good call, Tommy. All right, bonus player. That was 10. We have an 11th. Number 33 for the month of December. Currently injured, but has been playing out of his mind. Hawk center Dwayne Dedman. Uh, an obvious trade candidate as we get toward the deadline on a one-year deal. Tommy, what are your thoughts on Dedman? Is this in any way sustainable if he somehow stays in Atlanta? Do you, do you believe in this production? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Th- I think thirty three is too high. You know, I think, uh, but I think top seventy five around that that neighborhood is is somewhat realistic. He, you know, he's he's always been a solid per minute player. You know, can knock down some threes, some blocks, some steals, uh, very high percentage, and it doesn't have. Uh, there, there's bodies there in Atlanta with Plumlee and, and Alex Len, but he's the best player of them all. But yeah, as you mentioned, the, the Hawks are a little bit tough to predict going forward. He's certainly, I wouldn't think, part of their long term thinking. Um, but, you know, with Baysmore Silent, they are going to need somebody to score the ball. Trey Young kind of penetrates in the paint, you know, gets him some easy baskets around the hoop. Um, so I, I wouldn't be, I would hesitate to dump him. Um, again, he's one of those guys you're probably not going to get value back for in a deal. But uh, so, you know, it's, it's kind of somewhere in the middle, I guess. Yeah, agreed. And he's currently out with, I think, knee soreness. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, Atlanta does have a little bit of incentive to lose. They're currently fifth in the quote-unquote tankathon. You know, as we've spoken about, it's not a huge difference, but going from 10.5% odds of the top pick at the, at number five worst record to 14% is not negligible. So there's a bit of risk there. Um, I, yeah, if, if you could trade him and get good value back, I would do that. I would certainly trade him for someone like Thomas Bryant, for instance, who, mm-hmm. speaking of December surprises, has been number 61 for the past month. Um, 
So yeah, if I'm this not, podcast uh, had a decent producer, he would have mentioned <laughs> Thomas Bryan in this conversation. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold on Deadman. Well, one other thing, just on the um, before we wrap up on the on the draft thoughts, one thing to consider that that teams will keep in mind as they kind of go forward. You you mentioned the fifth. You do the, the one benefit, even if you're third to getting up to one, is the lowest you can possibly draft. Um, right. You know, yeah, so yeah. The, gotcha. the top four slots are all done through lottery. But if you finish with the worst record, the worst possible pick you can get is fifth overall. Whereas if yeah, you finish right. third, the worst possible pick you get is eighth overall. So it is something that these these teams will keep in mind. Obviously, not the same incentive as there once was, but something that they will keep in the back of their mind. One other thing to keep in mind: something has gotten into the Hawks. They have actually won five out of seven. Yes. So oh, I don't know what's going on, but but. Uh, it's. I'm a Hawks fan, and it's. I'm very confused emotionally right now. <laughs> so we'll just leave it at that. Tommy, we mentioned your column coming out. Some notable numbers, including Gallinari and much more. Ryan, what do you have for us this week? A column on Wednesday. The topic to be determined. Topic to be determined. Good, good. I like that. A lot of suspense there. I have round balls too coming out on Friday. Mike Gallagher and the DFS podcast will be out Friday as well. That's it for us. Happy New Year, everyone. Ryan and Tommy, thanks for taking the time, guys. Enjoyed it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Matt. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. How doers get more done. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.